Hello, and welcome to the first episode of this podcast. Um, don't know what it's going to be called yet, um, but uh, we hope to have you um, along for the ride. My name is Tyler Pollock, and and I'm a pot, uh, writer for uh, Geeks with Wives. My turn now. Good time. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> my name is TK Stewart, and I'm a writer for Geeks with Wives and a reviewer at Newsarama, which is very exciting. Um, when I actually get my reviews in on time, I'm sorry, David. <laughs> hey, and I'm John Eric Christensen. I'm a comics journalist who writes for panels, um, and for my blog, Honestly Comics. Um, and I tweet a lot, and that's what I got. That rhymed. Um, so, uh, our podcast, it's, it's going to be, um, just, uh, discussion about things that we like or things that we don't like but whatever it is it's going to be three nerds talking um so uh does anyone want to start the conversation with anything so i guess i can start with what i've read this week um yeah which is actually like a super short list right now uh, I kind of got back from DragonCon and I'm still not totally finished being the exhausted yet. Um, <laughs> but I did read Diesel by Tyson Hess. That's Blue Box's newest series. Um, just started on Wednesday and it's really awesome. I kind of picked it up on a whim. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of Final Fantasy IX, which kind of cracks me up in terms of the aesthetics. Um, but it's a ton of fun, and I'm glad I picked it up. Bluebox is doing some really great stuff with all these titles right now, which is very exciting for me. Yeah, definitely, That's kind definitely. Of my genre of choice. <laughs> Absolutely, and the one thing I really appreciate about what Boom's just doing in, like, across the board is they're really doing well with, like, queer rap, especially in all ages stuff, which is, like. Go, go boom, go boom all around. Sorry, just a big fan of the stuff they're doing. I've heard good things of, um, about what you were just talking about. So. Yeah, I've heard good things about uh, Diesel too. Um, yeah, Boom's really kicking out of the park with their all ages stuff that also in, in, yeah, instantly has, happens to have a lot of queer characters in it. <clears throat> um, John, what have you been reading? Um, um, I, this week was a good one, um, because I, I had comics, I mean, people, they're not mine, these writers do not write these comics exclusively for my viewing, though I wish, I'm kidding. Wait, what are you talking about? All, all comic creators just write for me stuff just for us. Oh, if only that were true, then Marvel would, oops, <laughs> then Marvel would have more characters in their lineup, but, um, that's, that's probably a conversation for later in the podcast, or a different one, back on point. Um, so this week I read comics by... Gail Simone, um, specifically Swords of Sorrow, uh, which I'm really enjoying. Um, I don't know, have any really connection to uh, the characters involved, uh, which was part of the appeal for me for the series, because I sometimes I do like going in blind when it's handled well. Um, I'm not sure Marvel and DC are always the greatest when it comes to not making the reader feel like they need to know things, um, but so far Gail and Dynamite with Swords of Sorrow, for me, have done a really good job with it. Um, because it's not, like, covered in, like, asterisk, see how this happened, and blah, or whatever. Um, and I've been enjoying the story. It's introducing me to a lot of popular characters I've heard through, you know, popular mythology, uh, which is neat. Um, 
it does get a little confusing figuring out which bikini-clad female character is who. Um, <laughs> Dynamite stays strong to the brand. Um, but Gail's been writing it really, really well, and the art, though obviously the female characters are in breathable clothing. Um, <laughs> Wait, you mean like quiet? Breathable, like big. Just a lot of breathing room in the um, in their outfit, but despite that, the artist illustrates them at least in the core source of Thoreau book um, in a way that doesn't feel squicky, um, which is always nice. No gross camera angles, no like unnecessary emphasis on you know a butt while people are getting ice cream, um, that kind of thing. So I'm enjoying that. Um, I also read Bitch Planet, which is. Uh, great i don't i can't say anything about about it that the internet has not already um i it's my favorite quarterly comic um no i'm really glad um it's out again i'm looking forward here's the thing i actually you, some comics i do get a little grumpy when they take forever not because of any shade on the creative team but just because i want it so badly this every issue yeah. is becoming so well crafted that like i can't complain i really can't um i do want to clone <laughs> kelly sue but in absence of that being a possibility, <laughs> I guess we'll just have to deal. And then Miss Marvel, obviously, with G. Willow. Um, that was, it was great. I mean, it's Miss Marvel. I don't talk about it much on my Twitter account because I try to talk about great comics that don't always get talked about, and Miss Marvel does. Um, but this last issue was particularly impacting. Um, had a great ending, and it made me want to scream out, Ugh, Battle Wars! Or was it, like, I, Game to, wait, Battle World and Secret Wars. <laughs> all these words. Um, it was a really touching ending, but I, I want to see the immediate fallout, not what happens eight months from now, which is part of the suspense, like eight months in the universe. Um, so, yeah, it was a good comic week. Um, but I knew it was, because Gail Simone and Kelly Dutaconic do Willow Wilson. Like, there was no risk going into this week, to be honest. So, that's what I read. Yeah. Well, um, I read Virgil, which is a graphic novel by Steve Orlando and J.D. Faith, and it was very, very good. Um, uh, it's a it's a new it's a new book in a new genre that I think Steve hopes to create called a queer exploitation in the vein of um, black exploitation and, and stuff like that. Um, it, it it's so good. It's so good. Um, John, do you have anything to add to um, that? Yes, I just realized though because you said the full creative team and I did not like the heel hack of a comics journalist that I am. Um, I just want to mention the artist of the comics I just named. Um, Swords of Zero had art by Sergio Davila, Bitch Planet Valentin Delandro, and Miss Marvel. Agent Alfona. Okay. Um, yeah, Virgil's rad. Um, <laughs> I picked it up at FlameCon um, a few months ago. Um, I was really excited to read it because I had not read anything else of Steve Orlando's work um, except for Midnighter, which obviously blew my face off. Um, so I was like, oh, I need to read more of this guy's writing. And so I bought it because that's what you do at conventions. You spend all the money you don't have. And then, and then you can't really say you regret it because then you love what you read and then you can't buy comics. But anyways, um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it at the time. Um, I was interested to see how people would, would respond to it on a critical level um, since I knew, I think, at that point it was going to get reissued um, because it does deal with a lot of 
touchy topics um, involving homophobia and race. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot, but I was a little nervous about that. Um, but luckily yeah. there's been a lot of really fascinating, interesting, positive commentary um, on Comics Alliance and elsewhere um, from critics on the book in regards to um, its handling of um, homophobia, Jamaica, race in that intersection. Um, and I really enjoyed it. The action sequences are great. The colors are phenomenal. Um, I enjoyed it. I also don't want to spoil too much for our, yeah, our yeah. lovely friend TK. So I will be yeah. why I'm keeping it as general as possible. But I enjoyed yeah, it. that's what I'm, that's what I was trying to do too. <laughs> Uh, um, I did. I did a bad thing there. I did not pre-order it at my shop. Uh, my shop did not have it, which I, I know that um, Steve and several other folks had mentioned that a lot of shops were not getting any image titles, which is not a problem at my shop, thankfully. Um, but they did not get Virgil in particular, so I have ordered it, uh, and I am behind the eight ball. And I think it's interesting, John, that you mentioned um, kind of the themes involved. That was one of the things that I was concerned about going in when I saw. Um, the summary, and coincidentally, that was also the case for me for Bitch Planet, which I have not read in this case only because I'm waiting for the trade to come out. Um, it was like, as you know, as a white guy, generally, um, I don't know what kind of perspective I can go into a comic about um, a prison planet or, um, <laughs> you know, being uh, a gay man of color in Jamaica. Um, I don't know what kind of perspectives I can go in there and have. Maybe like what kind of perspectives should I take away and what kind of things should I be looking yeah. for in terms of rep representation or narrative. Um, so in both of those cases, not that I don't trust the creator, I was really glad to see so much um, commentary and discussion um, and also generally uh, I think this is always the case with Kelly Sue, but for Steve Orlando, who I was not very familiar with outside of Midnighter, um, mm. to see both of them like very receptive to commentary from all venues, and to be very open to answering questions about process and who you're working with and who you're talking to, um, and to you know to not kind of be put off by the fact that people are asking very directly, like what qualifies you to tell this story and why do you feel like this is the story that you need to tell. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, and gosh, I wish I could remember where it was. It's a really good interview with Steve um, on Virgil super recently, and I'll try to find it, but where the question was posed, and he was just up front. He's like, this is a story I want to tell. It's very compelling. Um, as a gay man, it's certainly very compelling to me. I think this is a story that's not seen, and I would like to see it represented. Um, but since I want to do that, you know, the onus is on me to speak out to people who are from Jamaica, who are familiar with the context of the things that I want to write about, um, who can make sure that I'm doing things correctly. Um, and that, that's, you know, I think we have a much better generation of content creators um, now than we may have had like 15 or 20 years ago, but it's still very refreshing to have creators um, who are not going to shy away from those questions and to like understand the reason that they're being asked and understand that they're being asked from a place of, um, on a personal level, sort of like protectiveness of the self, or like of your own identity. Um, and seeing that represented well in comics and on a grander scale being asked um, because we want to have better comics. We're not asking these things in a mean way. We're asking them because like, we're genuinely curious. We want to have better content. 
Um, we think that like posing these questions to you helps make the things that you're doing better and makes it easier for us to enjoy them. Yeah, um, I uh, um, I read an interview um, with with Steve in it. I think it was on Comics Alliance, um, but uh, it was basically. Um, you know, it was asking the question, "How do you feel that you're qualified to do this?" And he 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 basically said he's done a lot of research. Um, he's he watched a Vice documentary about um, you know the situation in Jamaica. He's talked to people from there. Um, yeah, I think he talked to J Flag, which is the uh, it's uh, oh, what does it stand for? Um. Sorry, listeners. Um, I, I'll cut this out. Um, Sorry, people who will never hear us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, uh, I'm... <clears throat> okay. Uh, J, J flag stands for the Jamaican... The Jamaica Forum for Lesbians, All Sexuals, and Gays. Um, <clears throat> which is uh, basically a uh, education and... Uh, you know, uh, group that I guess tries to, you know, help the situation in Jamaica. Um, you know, he's talked to a lot of people, he's done his research. Um, and I think that definitely shows in the, in the, in the book. Um, also, uh, sorry, CK, but, uh, uh I don't want to like just disvalue anything you said, but, uh, Steve's, Steve Orlando is, is by, um, uh, that's right. I'm sorry. I do that all the time. That's my fault. No, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, do you have anything to say about that, oh, John? I mean, of course. No, um, that was one of those things where, as a critic who is gay but and is white, um, my first reaction when it comes to stories like Bitch Planet or um, Virgil is to like read it, gather my impressions, and for the most part, I do just I do try and um, wait um, until I hear what other people, what people of color say, because um, I find, generally speaking though this is not always universally the case, um, there are writers who seem to grasp and handle issues of, like, gender and queer issues pretty well, but for whatever reason just totally hit a minefield when it comes to race. Um, and... Yes. So that that definitely had to do this. Um, I mean, you just look at mainstream gay, white, parenthetical white male media is often terrible with race. Yeah. Um, so I definitely had, again, reservations, even after reading it. I enjoyed it, and I had no immediate reason to think anything wrong, but I'm not going to be the one who's going to immediately pick up on things. Um, so that's why I think certain interviews that I've read have been very positive and responses I've seen from, uh, critics of color, which is great to hear. Um, and it is tricky, because, like, I think everyone does research, um, to a degree into into whatever setting they're doing, and I think it's really tricky to... It, it, it's a special kind of skill to be able to research into what people are feeling, what they are thinking, and to try to get those understandings of oppression and power and how all that works in certain areas. Because um, I definitely think it's a... a, a blah, feel free to edit that those noises out. <laughs> um, um, I'm happy with what I've heard about it. I'm glad that people have seen has been handled well. Um, I definitely think writing about other cultures is a very, very, very difficult thing to do. Because um, it really requires you to remove yourself 
um, and re-examine what it is that you've internalized coming from whatever culture you're coming from and figuring out where that is. Because I definitely, part of the, pl not plug line, but part of the um, description of it is talking about how Jamaica is one of the more uh, homophobic places in the, in, the, in the world. And I think when I first read that, either in an interview before I had read Virgil, or even in the back matter, that had me nervous because I didn't want it to come off as, I was nervous it was going to end up looking like a condemnation of Jamaica. Um, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's tricky because it's a very, the story itself is very dark, it's very gritty, it's, I mean, it's, it's black exploitation mixed with queer exploitation, it's, it's hyper violent, um, and there's a lot of, things have to be handled with nuance. And I don't, consider myself an authority again i'm glad i've heard positive things from critics of color but i don't consider myself enough of authority to deign if it's uh, was handled well enough it didn't ping off anything on my radar um and what's even trickier is his protagonist is a very morally complex person um so yeah. there's no clear like he is the hero and is right and everyone else is bad it's a lot more complex than that which is what's good which is presents good writing but again, that makes it more difficult to make sure you're not making like a sweeping condemnation of a country and more so an attitude that may be there. Um, yeah. I'm glad it's been well received. Um, I'm also was very happy with an interview um, that he did with Comics Alliance. Um, I'm sure we're going to be, they're, they're going to host us with how much we're plugging Comics Alliance. <laughs> and that was Jay um, Michelin, by the way. Hey, the Andrew Wheeler. Right. Yes, I was just going to say, the interview with J.A. Micheline, um, she's great. She's grand. Um, one, of the, the, one of the questions, the, one of the things they talked about is in the story, um, you do encounter the protagonist, Virgil's sex life. Um, and usually I'm not a big fan of like queer people's sex lives being dragged out into either interviews or I think where, it doesn't, like, where it's not relevant. Because in mainstream media, there, there is a... Uh, tendency for you know oh gasp gay sex or things like that happen and I think this interview was the perfect example of it being held handled in the right way because mm -hmm. they were talking about in terms of power dynamics and subverting ideas of masculinity or femininity or whatever because um, of just the sex scenes that happen in the book um, and that really impressed me and to see that much thought going to masculine versus non-masculine or feminine power dynamics within a gay couple in Jamaica, like, for there to be that much thought in there allows you to realize, feel safer when reading it, I think. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that's helped out with even reading Bitch Planet beforehand is Kelly Sue DeConnick has been very upfront and honest about um, her creating process, who she talks to, where she stumbled, um, and that kind of honesty makes you feel safe because that person is humble enough to know that they may screw up or that they do need to do a lot of work to contrast with creators who when they're met with either just simple questions like are there gay characters in the story or anything like that and the immediate response is hostility which unfortunately is a common thing uh, common enough of a thing um, in you know the mainstream comics community and to see these writers like Kelly Sue or um, Steve Orlando not do that goes a long way to endear me to their work because even if they do make a mistake I feel comfortable enough that they will talk about it, talk about the process with transparency and won't react with hostility and singing okay that that was that was really awesome um, like the discussion we had um, let's see let's see let's see 
news. What came out? Uh, Hellcat? Do we want sure. to talk about Hellcat? Again, I'm a blabbermouth, as you, you've noted. I can talk about anything. But I don't want to talk about anything that other people are uninterested in. No, 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 yeah. So you guys, does that sound good, Hellcat, with your with your fave, Kate Love? Doing another great comic about a little superhero. Good times! That's going in. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, Hellcat. Um, pa actually, it's called Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat. They're definitely um, trying to bring in those old Patsy Walker readers, which I endorse. Yeah. Um, well, she's also going to appear in the um, in Jessica Jones, um, which a trailer came out, and it was creepy, but also awesome. Um, Everyone should should watch that trailer and also watch Daredevil and also just watch the Netflix Marvel series because it looks more diverse than literally any of the movies. Um, <laughs> right. such, a, such a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, look, there are two women of color over here. Literally more diverse than the entire Marvel to Cinematic fair, Movie Universe combined. Right. They, they might actually appear in a scene together and, like, future, have future words that aren't about a man. Does but, yeah, absolutely. That's actually one thing that we could definitely talk about, maybe if not in this, contact, uh, this podcast, but another one, is talking about the difficulty of, like, looking at what's present in diversity now versus what will be in the future, which that stuff in the future is important, but it's not now. But that's, I oh, think, yeah, like, I think like, uh, like how, um, I think it was, oh God, I don't want to mess this up. Um, I think it was Kevin Feige who said, what the gay, uh, have a, a, a gay character in like within the next 10 years. No, yeah, it was like it was yeah. like something he organically. To, he would be open to it, yeah, but he it said has organic. to happen organically yeah. because we all sprout from beans in the ground where we're planted over the course of decades. Sure. Oh, you know, you know what else I have was? To to my pods. Oh yeah. Later. Also, you know what else was totally organic? The fact that uh, a time traveling psychic um, outed another time traveling teenager <laughs> with ice powers. <clears throat> that was that was very organic. I have some, not. I find myself frequently talking about the topic just as like a as a talking point for like you know various LGBTQ issues, and it's so annoying having to like explain like oh there's time travel and they're younger but they're from like the 70s except not really maybe I don't know and they time travel to the future and she used tele her telepathy. Ah, anyways. Uh, Hellcat. Do we, do we Hellcat. still want to talk about Hellcat? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, it's um Hellcat. Um. It's going to be written by Kate Leth and illustrated by Brittany Williams. Um, it'll be out in December. And um, what uh, what Leth uh, <clears throat> said about the uh, the 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 book is that um, she's a superhero martial arts whiz that can sense mystical energy. She learned how to fight on the moon, so she she's so you know she's good. Um, out of the costume, she's a 20-something girl looking for work and purpose in New York City. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, the editor, uh, series editor, 
Um, Will Moss said that Kate and Brittany are cooking up a series that's like a superhero version of Trainwreck or Broad City, a comedic and action-packed story about a woman figuring out her life. So, um, I personally haven't read, uh, have seen um, Broad City, but I've heard it's pretty good. Um, so, and you know, I'm a fan of what Kate Leth Kate does. She's doing some great stuff right now with uh, with Power Up. Uh, you know, um, you can actually read CK's interview with the creators of Power Up on Geeks Wives. Um, there are also some great Power Up reviews on <laughs> Coincidentally enough, both written by I, I can't remember who wrote them, though. I, 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 someone with incredible writing talent Crazy wrote those. I just can't yeah. place yeah. them. Every day. We, we could have we could have a we could have a whole whole podcast about Kevin and how I love that. Yeah. Hellcat. Um, <laughs> Hellcat, yes. Um, it looks good, and I am excited. I am excited. Um, I'm yes. Mostly into it based off the strength of the creative team. Um, I don't have a whole lot of experience with Patsy Walker. Um, aside from I uh, didn't know anything series. about her. Um, yeah, I didn't know much about her except that she existed and her name was Hellcat. Yeah, and I just knew from, like, She-Hulk stuff, which is cool, but not necessarily enough to be like, here's a book, but you give me something with um, Kate Leth and Brittany Williams, uh, I'm there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I like everything I've heard about the pitch. Um, Brittany Williams' art is phenomenal. Um, she had some uh, fan art of, like, the Daily Planet in the entire Superman cast, which is the most rad. Um, and then Kate Leth is just great in general. I want her to write so many things, both because she's a great writer and also because she makes everything gay. And, like, we need that. We definitely need um, that. I, I'm hoping, um, a couple times Kate has had moments on Twitter where she's been like, oh my god, big project! And I imagine this is one of them. I'm also hoping down the line a Miss America series would be there. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping she got offered two books at the exact same time, so that's why she happily tweeted. But no, um, Patsy Walker looks great. Um, if it's anywhere near as hysterical as um, Squirrel Girl is, or as funny as um, I've heard Howard the Duck to be, um, I definitely think that corner of the MCU is looking to be very strong. And yeah, very it's, strong it's uh, from what I heard, and from what I, I just, I see based on the art, it looks very much in that kind of style yep. of what Squirrel Girl and Howard the Duck are going for right now. Um, um, yeah. Other, Any... other books have been announced for December. <sighs> Starbrand and Nightmask, but Greg Wiseman usually does try, like, I okay, I follow him on Twitter, because, first of all, Young Justice and second of all, Gargoyles, and someone asked him if, if there would be... If, if, if Starbrand and Nightmask were going to be a couple in the series, and he said, he, he said, wait and find out, which is uh -oh. the worst possible thing. I hate when people say that, but it's also just a way to get people into your book, which I kind of see the point of, but I still hate it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to read it, mainly because regardless, I like... Yeah. The setting, it's, it provides a lot of interest. It's basically Starbrand and Nightmask. They're two cosmic characters. Last I saw them, they were in uh, the uh, Time Runs Out Avengers, New Avengers stuff. Um, 
and they're they're college students now um, at Empire State, where a certain girl with squirrel powers is. Wink noise. Girl squirrel, um, right? girl that girl. wasn't awkward at all. Um, no. Yeah, I'm. You know, the premise is is, is interesting. It's uh, from what I, I read an interview, and uh, I I think it might have but just been Marvel Entertainment doing it. Um, but Wiseman basically said that uh, it's uh, Star Starbrand is learning how to use his powers from Nightmask. And Nightmask is learning about, you know, the human experience, because I guess he's... I, I don't know that much about them, so I can't really... But that's basically the gist of it. So, learning about the human experience. Human experience can mean a lot of things. Maybe romance. Hmm. I've, I unfortunately have, have this built-in, like... I don't want to say pessimism or cynicism because I do try to be gay in everything if I can. Um, but like I, we, I feel like in general queer fans, especially the big two, have had their like chains yanked enough that like for me I will wait until I see it. Yeah. But I definitely I've heard he's been really good about wanting to get queer representation in his past stuff before, so that's encouraging. Um, I do wish. I don't know. Um, I it looks very it looks great to me. Um, the art, which is by um, the penciling, which is by Dominique Stanton, looks mm -hmm. great. Um, yeah. I really am a big fan of the different artists that they've been announcing on their new titles recently. Um, one Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, on Starbrand and Nightmask, Patsy Walker Hellcat. There's been a lot of really great um, artistic talent that they've been reaching out to. Um, for me, at this point, there's just so many Marvel books that I am interested in that Starbrand yeah. and Nightmask is just missing my pull um, just because it's so crowded financially. Um, if I do find out that there's prominent LGBTQ representation in there somewhere, ideally one of the two of them, um, I will absolutely add it onto my pull list immediately. Yeah. Um, I, I don't doubt that there's going to be some shade of rep in there, just based on things I've heard. Um, but at this point, I'm not going to well, buy a comic. Well, uh, based on a, a really topic anymore. you just said, um, let me transition to something I read this week. <clears throat> uh, Planet Hulk. The final uh -oh. issue came out this week. Okay. <clears throat> so, picking up on something John said a bit earlier, um, spoilers for the entirety of Planet Hulk. Um, the, the recent one. The Secret Wars one with the gladiatorial uh, Steve Rogers and his pet dinosaur. Which is... I, I, I love saying that. It's, it's a really nice thing to say. Um, so, spoilers for Planet Hulk. Um, basically, the story of Planet Hulk is uh, gladiatorial Steve Rogers has been kept in this coliseum thing for who knows how long. Um, and his partner, his, his fighting buddy was Bucky Barnes. And Bucky Barnes vanished one day. Um... But it actually, Steve learns out that it was actually Doom, God Emperor Doom, sent him on a mission to kill the Red King in Greenland, which is the Hulk world where everyone's a Hulk. Um, because, you know, reasons. Um, so, so the story is, is basically Steve meets up with a 
character calling himself Doc Green, and they travel to the Red King's um, castle and and look and kill him, and or set out to kill him. Um, but along the way, basically the entire journey there takes four and a half issues. Basically, while while it's happening, um, there's a lot of flashbacks to whatever world Steve was from before he got put in the Kilosseum. And there's a lot of subtext and a lot of implication you can go on to say that Steve and Bucky were in a very committed relationship to each other. To each other. Um, <clears throat> uh, I mean, there, there's a line... Uh, yes, John? Um, could you... Could you name what um, you saw in the text that like led you to believe that? Because I do think it is tricky for people to know what some people consider queer baiting or not. Um, there was just there was Steve was constantly thinking about him. Um, there were there was a there was a dream sequence scene where it was a flashback to whatever world they were from, and uh, like he he literally woke up in from the, on the next page and said Bucky. Like, you know, that, you know, um, and, uh, Doc Green was very, um, he, he pretty much said, uh, when we rescue your, uh, your Bucky, you can hold him close to your bosom. And, uh, like, you know, it was, it was very, it wasn't, you know, there, there was, there was stuff that we could pick up on and it looked especially like from the fourth issue that Bucky and him would, you know, reunite and, you know, maybe maybe kiss or whatever, you know. Um, so basically, um spoilers for Planet Hulk four and five. Um, what happens is um, Steve gets captured like the moment he enters the Red Castle, the Red King's town castle thing um and he wakes up in the in the red king's chamber and you know all that's there is and he 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 tells the red king that all really he wants is bucky just like let him go and he won't and steve won't kill the red king um king laughs and says bucky I, bucky oh i killed him how many ever weeks ago and then throws Bucky's metal arm at Steve. And that's how the fourth issue ends. So, you know, I naturally thought that Bucky would, you know, not be dead. But he's dead. And he's killed off in a, you know, just, oh, I killed him weeks ago. And here's his metal arm <laughs> um, that I throw at you. Um, and, you know, it's it's... And then the final battle, it's basically just, like, hang on, um, I, I have a, I can, it's basically Steve driving his modified shield into the Red King's skull, um, while saying, like, you know, um, no, 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 <clears throat> Uh, you killed Bucky. He was my best friend. He saved my life a hundred times. I vowed to protect him, and now... And then, you know, there's just 
like all these flashbacks of just different snapshots of these different memories from uh you know their past and it's and it's I have failed and all it is is just you know Bucky holding on to the arm and walking away from the Red King's corpse and basically the comic ends with Devil Dinosaur who is Steve and Bucky's former former alive Bucky's dead it it ends with Steve and Devil Dinosaur walking off into Greenland's desert and that's how it ends and it was it was was really just disappointing and unsatisfying um you know there was just a lot of lead up to something I, I knew I knew that it wouldn't happen but you know, it's it's still still we could have had something that's right. I'm very I think, sympathetic. I think at this point, though, I'm so beyond like, I'm so beyond hoping that I'm going to be able to open a book and then incidentally yeah your characters that. I've just accepted that if I'm going to do queer presentation, it's going to be announced um, by any publisher several months in advance so that they make sure that I have the code that I need to take to my shop to go order the book, put it on my pull list, and get three books of, like three months of books in advance. Um, because every, every, I don't know, there's, there's nothing for them to lose at all in giving the leeway to write what could be in, what could be validly interpreted um, as very like sexually romantic relationships with no payoff. Um, but everything's a game, and if they are going to do legitimate, explicit queer representation, to say, okay, well, here it is, and here's when it comes out, and here's when you have it. Um, you know, I've, I could hope that I will open any of the books that are posted to the boards and say, great. Like, I've opened it, and here's a queer character, but I know that the reality of the situation at this point is that if they're going to exist, Marvel's going to tell me about them. Um, and in the meantime, or, you know, any publisher will tell me about them, and in the meantime, every publisher will make it very clear that people that I thought might be queer are not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's one of my... Actually, that, a lot of that um, ties into some of my biggest complaints about the promotion of Secret Wars. Um... So often when I look at solicits in the future, um, I will tweet about disappointment about not seeing either certain characters or there's just not many queer characters or whatever, and inevitably I'll get some pushback, you know, of people being like, oh, like, maybe it'll disappear in the story and they're just not making a big thing about it, which, there exists an alternate universe in which, like you said, you can just casually open a comic and of course there's a queer character there, naturally, why wouldn't there be, but we do not live in that universe, and... When now the Secret Wars is actually mostly over, um, you go to the promotion and the queer characters, the ones that are you know some of Marvel's biggest biggest names, which unfortunately is like B minus list. At Wait, what are you talking about? Wiccan and Hulk um, are now Avengers. They're like totally A list now. <laughs> oh boy! Um, don't don't get the don't get don't get. The <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm too busy fending off the Midnighter Apollo oh God. right now. Yeah, I did. Um, back to where I was getting at. Um, so Secret Wars, when you looked at all the... I, I, there was one point where I went through every single cover, every single solicit, and every single um, Marvel site-hosted interview. 
um, for every single Secret Wars title in an effort <laughs> to find the queer characters. And, like, I would literally comb over those massive Secret Wars covers that would have, like, 30 people punching <laughs> each other on them and to see if I could see certain characters. And across, like, three months of doing this, you not, you never once see North Star. Um, you never once... Uh, you only see Iceman on the Scotty Young um, Marvel... Like, you know, Scotty Young style... Mar- I forget what it's called. But, like, the, oh, wait, the little, little, little Marvel AVS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, there are a whole bunch of major queer characters that you just never see. Um, you see Wiccan and Hulkling in the background of Secret Wars journal cover, which is a one story and a one shot. Um, it's hysterical when you go through and see how you're trying to find certain characters. And after Secret Wars is over, there has been an improvement over Zero, strangely. Um, but most of that has either been really small, so Billy and, um, and Teddy did appear as supporting characters in a part of a story in a one shot. Um, and I think they appeared in the background of um, one of those flashback stories. Um, Kyle in North Star also appear in Secret Wars Journal in a story yeah, I, that I was picked filled with Psylocke's story. Um, so yeah. unless you are me and you research these things, you'll never know. So, um, and then there was some surprise queer representation um, with Jubilee and... Yeah, Pixie, and, um, Pixie who um, okay, and I have things to say about Pixie. Extinction, but if those things aren't advertised to some degree, queer readers can never find them. Um, mm. And so it, it it's good that those things exist, but if people literally cannot find them, and the ones who are out and known, like Billy, Billy's his name, Wiccan, Hulkling, Northstar, if you cannot see them, then there's nothing. Um, and so I think. Even when I heard rumblings of, like, the Steve Buffy thing for Planet Hulk, I was like, at best, they're going to confirm it in the last issue, which, like, great. Thank you. Um, which... Yeah. It's too bad. Um, it's... I do... I do sympathize with creators, um, who maybe want to explore, like, affectionate platonic romances, um, or maybe mean well and don't realize what harm sometimes queer baiting can do. Um, I know some queer critics, even, who think queer baiting isn't a thing, which I could talk about at a later date. Um, but ugh, it's tricky. I think we wouldn't be as frustrated by these things if there was so much queer representation out there, you know? Yeah. Um, if I could, like like CK was saying, if I could just comfortably uh, open a comic and just have a good chance of there being um, some character who's queer, um, that'd be great. But unfortunately, I'm left with table scraps, and then we end up fighting a land battle over Deadpool. Um, and as oh, if, God. like, you know what I mean? Um, not knocking, you know, Deadpool or anything like that, but when we lose one, even characters that some individuals may not care about as much, but you fight for them because we have no yeah. no stake and you're taking the scraps. Yeah. Um, that was onset, honestly, by things that could be conceivably seen as queer baiting because even if certain, you know, writers maybe thought they were writing a queer character. Marvel is new the entire time. But no. Yeah. So, I mean, it's tricky. A queer baiting wouldn't be a good deal if we had sufficient representation to begin with. Yeah. And scene. That's it. What? And outside. And scene. No, don't. That that was really awesome. Um, that might actually be a good good. Uh, Wrapping up point. 
yeah, words. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, no, I picked up I, I picked up Secret War uh, Secret Wars Journal Four, and uh, you know on the Punisher on the on the cover is Punisher and uh, Iron Fist, and then I I pretty much skipped that story because I could care less Same. about either either of those characters, and I went to the back and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Kyle and, and Northstar and and Psylocke, and then like it's years it's years of future past world. And like that's such an interest. Like it's the um, just the idea of this, you know, mutant boyfriend and his human lover or human boy human boyfriend, and you know the human boyfriend's trying to you know get the get Northstar back, and it's like that was that was interesting. That was a concept that would have really benefited from a few. You know more issues or a few more pages or anything. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. I liked it a lot. Also, Kyle had dreads, and that was that was cool. Um, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Um, so uh, let's start by um, you know telling uh, the, the viewer, the listeners, where uh, they can find you online. Uh, John, would you like to start? Um, you could probably find me under a pile of blankets within five feet of a Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> John, um, that's not on. That's not online. Short of that, you can also. That's that's regular finding. <laughs> you would be surprised. You would, you would be surprised. Uh, what's on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter um, with the handle at honestlyjohn, um, John with no H. Um, yes, and then you can also find me on my blog, which is Honestly Comics. Dot com, and that's aside from the blankets. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much where you can find me. Okay, how about you, CK? And you can find me on Twitter at CK Kuko, CK C U C C O. Uh, you can also find me at my website, which is super exciting. It's CK Stewart, CK S T E W A R T, which doesn't sound as fun as CK Kuko. Uh, dot com, which is secretly a Tumblr that you can follow, which posts everything that I write all the time sometimes very slowly and uh you can find me um on twitter at cyberpunk warlock but that's warlock with an l-o-k like deathlock because twitter is dumb um and you can find my writings at um peaks with wives um maybe some other place someday soon hopefully um, yeah, uh, thank you for, for, uh, listening and, uh, hope you come back for the next episode. Uh, subscribe, um, subscribe and leave a review and make comments. Um, we, Hey guys, right around here, we lost about 15 minutes of audio. Uh, it got really messy and I wasn't able to clean it up. So what it was basically about was about social media. Um, we have a name now, uh, and it's the Geek Gaze Podcast. And you can find us at Geek Gaze Podcast on Twitter and the Geek Gaze Podcast on Gmail and the Geek Gaze Podcast on Tumblr. Um, please leave a review, subscribe, rate us on iTunes. That will help get the uh, podcast into more listeners' ears. That would be great of you. And uh, hope to see you along for the next episode. Um, thank you. Goodbye.